Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. If you want to get your hands on some Hey Bartender Podcast merchandise, all you have to do is go to hey-bartender-podcast.myshopify.com and you can find all sorts of Hey Bartender t-shirts and other stuff and just some t-shirts with some wise-ass remarks on them. Kind of cool. But just remember, head over to hey-bartender-podcast.myshopify.com Dot com and use the checkout code hey dude to get 10% off your entire order yes 10% off your entire order go there now wait not now we're about to start the show Welcome to Hey Bartender Podcast. Today we are featuring a special episode. This is the first of what I hope is many podcasts uh, where I get to actually interview other bartenders. And today I've got a special bartender with me because I have worked with her personally and we have been friends for a long time, uh, well, close to 20 years. So everybody on Hey Bartender Podcast, if you would please welcome... Shannon Moore. Shannon, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Well, um, Shannon... Hope everyone's having a good day. Well, Shannon, uh, thank you for taking a little bit of time to be on the show. Like I was just telling everybody, you and I have known each other for a long time. But uh, yes. you were uh, you were a bartender long before you met me. Um, so uh, so uh, when did you start bartending? Uh, 1985. And where was that? Which was that was at a bar called uh, Charlie's Bar and Grill. It was a hotel bar. Hotel Walton. Hotel Walton, uh, Oregon. Oh, cool! And um, how many uh, how many places have you bartended over your career? Um, that is a good question. I have not added them up. <laughs> um, I was I was at Charlie's for six years where I learned most of my very important primary bartending skills. Um, I went from actually a hostess, busser, fine dining, cocktail, catering. Um, Cocktail, yeah, and bartending. And I left there after six years as the bar manager. We had room service. We had, I did all of that. I did room service. I did... You're basically bar manager. I was bar manager. I, uh, by the time I left there, I was bar manager. When I started, I was a hostess. So you were able to work your way through the ranks over during that time. I worked my way through like every category of that whole entire building. <laughs> so they wanted me, me to be a manager. I said no because managers were really short-lived and... Um, Really, managers didn't make as much as 
you made when you were a server or bartender because they didn't get tips, so and they would overwork them. Yeah, so, you know that's something that uh, I've never really. I talked never about. took that. Yeah, that's something that I've never really I, talked about uh, ever on the shows. Uh, when a bartender finds their uh, finds their home, finds a bar that they really like to work at, and they manage to stay there for a long time. They don't ever really want to get promoted off the bar, do they? Just because... No. No, the reason is because, for one thing, I what I saw when I was, when I was uh, in the business was that they would go through managers like hot water. And they the managers were salaried. But if you were uh, anything all the way up to a manager, even a bar manager, you were still getting tips. You were still getting your hours. You were not salaried. So what you were making was actually more than some of the managers were making. And they would move the manager. We had so many managers because they would just move them and shift them and or get rid of them. And I'm like, I saw that happen so many times. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be a manager. Yeah, you and I have talked make about less money and have to work more hours. You and I have talked about that. that a lot over the years. It's like uh, if you become mm-hmm. a bar manager or something like that or move away from the bar, bar you, you don't make tips as anymore. As long as you get your shift. Yeah. If, and, if you're a bar manager and you get your shift still and you get tips, then it's fine. But if you're a bar manager and you're salaried, it's not fine. It's not okay. Because... You're not making, you're actually making less money, ultimately, because they will overwork you, your hours, and more. the more hours you work, the less money you're getting an hour. Right. And you're not getting tips. That's, I think that ha- that's pretty common with most jobs, uh, when you think about it, when you go, like if you're working a regular, uh, regular blue-collar job, and you're working large amounts of overtime, and then all of a sudden you go uh, go to be a manager and you get straight uh, straight salary and you don't get overtime anymore, mm-hmm. then you start to realize, well, I'm not making money anymore. <laughs> yeah, and it, it depends on where you're working. Yeah. You know, it depends, it depends on the job you're working and where you're working. You know, some managers um, are not salaried. So... Um, that that was your first job as a bartender slash server. You you pretty much learned everything from the ground up about the service industry. What were the major things that you learned that you, uh, that you kind of wished that the last bar that you worked at could, um, that Shannon could go back and tell the first Shannon, you know, the Shannon at the uh, first bar that she worked at, just to keep keep in mind, remember. What can what can new bartenders and servers learn from that? Um, because in I don't know if this can answer the question right, but in the eighties it was all about customer service and it was all about and now in the eighties you have to understand um, people in the eighties in the bars. You went to happy hour, you were dressed up. Really you more... wore for you you wore it was so fancy you wore your best clothes you the guys were sporting gold jewelry uh rolex watches 
um, suits. They came in in suits. Wow, a lot more formal. For happy hour. Hmm? It was a lot more formal back then, I take it. Very formal. Uh, The happy hour was very formal. It was all business people. It was, you had to cater to them completely. All business people. The ladies were dressed up in dresses and heels. It was very fancy back in the 80s. The 90s changed to a whole different realm. But in the 80s, it was all very, very professional. Very professional. You had to be so on top of things with people that were coming in to your place to have drinks or to have dinner or whatever. It was very formal. You had to professionally open wine for them at their table. You had to professionally serve them. It was very... They call it hoity-toity back in the day. (laughs) So it was very, like, fancy and down to the the smallest detail. It had to be down to the smallest detail. These people were not messed with back then. Now, do you think that was just because because of the clientele that you served at that uh, particular place in the 80s? No, that's the way the 80s was. That's the way the 80s was. You could go anywhere in town. And it would be the same way. It wasn't just because it was the hotel I worked in. Everywhere, everywhere was like that. And you were competing with a lot of places because there was a lot of places that were very big to happy hours and very big to um, big wig people. And they wanted all the professional people to come in. And it was very, it was very fun. And it was very, it was very hard. At one point... Um, I got, I worked really hard and I got into the cocktail group. Okay. The cocktail group was very special. The cocktail girls were very, very special. I don't know if I told you this story. I don't think I did. No, I don't think I've ever heard this. No, the cocktail girls there were very high-end cocktail girls. You had to be a certain way about you to be one of the cocktailers. Was it a particular and look or just an attitude? or You you had to be perfect mm. at everything. You had to know everything. And my bar manager, Randy, she was a lady. They took me into the cocktailing from the formal dining room. And I wanted always to be a cocktailer. And I was striving for that really hard. They took me in there for a bit. And then... She told me this is not working out for me. And Uh-oh. so they took me out. I was devastated mm-hmm. beyond belief. I don't know what happened. I'm not sure I remember because it was a really long time ago. But I said to myself, I am going to get back there again. And somehow I made it back there. Was and it- they hired me back in to cocktail again. I'm not sure. Actually, I just, it was so many years ago, I don't remember what I actually did to make them give me a second chance. But they gave me a second chance, and I I blew them out of the water. Of course. Well, according to the Shannon, Shannon that I know and work with, of course you did. <laughs> well, I and I'm not sure why they took me back. Um or they just want to give me a second chance because they like me or whatever. But I know what happened. Um, 
was my first bartending gig in that that bar when I first started bartending. I'm actually not sure what happened, but it was um, it was a holiday. I want to say it was New Year's Eve or something like that. It was a big holiday, mm. and we had the one head bartender, one of the best bartenders I have ever witnessed in my lifetime, um, worked at that bar. His name was Dawn, and... For some reason, there wasn't a second bartender. Either that or it got really busy, and he needed some help. Because normally, two bartenders would have worked that bar. Mm-hmm. So I got... Oh, you you know when it was? It was it was Halloween. It was Halloween. So I got thrown back behind the bar with him. And I had to start pouring drinks and doing all this stuff. And... Previously, though, when I was cocktailing, I would be watching the bartender and be like, oh, what goes in that drink? What goes in that drink? What, do you, what is that drink? What's going in there? What's, you know, so, you know, and I'd be asking them as they were making the drinks, you know, like, what drink is that called and what's going in there and whatever, because I was doing the ordering. So I'm like, what are you putting in there? And so I learned a lot of the recipes by cocktailing because I would ask them. So would you uh, tell a lot of cocktail waitresses or servers out there today, if uh, if you're going up and order drinks, learn from the bartender as you're serving them. Don't just take the drinks and leave. Uh, yeah, just don't take the drinks. Say, oh, you're making me, a, you know, tequila sunrise. What goes in a tequila sunrise? What goes in a Long Island? Ask ask your bartender what what are they pouring in there? Because mm-hmm. that's how I learned. I learned from being a cocktail waitress. So I I knew what went into different drinks because I would ask them what was in the drink that they were making me. Yeah. Because I was curious, so I would always ask them. And there's and so, so many drinks to learn, from, though. <laughs> and there's new drinks. Like, I, if I were to go back into bartending right now, there's so many new drinks. Oh, yeah. Uh, even just drinks, starting this drinks podcast. Drinks are recipes. Yeah. Drinks are recipes, right? So, technically, you can follow a recipe, then you can make a drink. Because drinks are even more simple than, like, a food recipe. Because mm. there's less things in them. Uh, even starting this podcast, I've uh, some of the new drinks that I've heard about from other servers, bartenders, or even just looked up on the internet. Sometimes the, all the drinks are exactly the same; they just change the name. I mean, uh, you know. No, they do that. Like slippery nipple. Slippery nipple has like four different names. Sure. Copper camel, slippery nipple. Um, I think cowboy cocksucker was one of there's, them. Yeah, yeah, cowboy cocksucker. There's like four different names for that yeah one drink because different venues pick their own name mm-hmm. and they, they it's the same drink but it's anytime you go somewhere if you're a smart person and you ask for a drink you ask the bartender what did you put in that even if you're a patron you ask them okay i want to order this drink and what do you guys put in that drink you know because then you can go to another bar and say, I want this drink. It has this and this and this in it. 
I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, they can make it. Mm. Any bartender can make it as long as you know what's in it. You can say, okay, they call it this name at this restaurant. They call it this one name. and But I know what's in it. Or you write it down or whatever. And you then you can go to another restaurant and say, I like a drink. It has vodka, sweet and sour, razzmatazz, and soda or whatever. And you can go there and say, I don't know what you call it, but we call it a raspberry fucker. But you can call it some other name. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I was... That that's... You always should ask what is in your drink. That way that you can explain it to another bartender at a different venue. That way, and any bartender should be able to make it. That's actually really great advice uh, um, because in the beginning of this pod, uh, beginning of every podcast, I try to introduce people to a new drink that I find on the internet somewhere. And every once in a while, I sit back and wonder: is like, well, if they go to uh, go to a bar and ask for this, what are the odds that the bartender actually knows what it is? But it, at least I tell mm-hmm. them how to make the drink. Also, so if in case they go over there and ask for. Like I used one of your drinks on one of my early podcasts, the Sex on My Face drink. I think I, I, I think I actually used that on the very first podcast I did. And, yes, you did. I and, believe so. And I, you know, what are the odds that anybody else in the United States alone knows how to make a drink called Sex on My Face? <laughs> no, you can't just go to your average. You can't go from um, my Paradise Grill which is where the drink was invented, Mm. to go to a different bar in Portland and say, I want a sex in my face. They're not going to know what it is because it's a localized drink. It's a localized to that particular bar. And then all of a sudden you're in trouble and there's a hashtag Me Too comes out. (laughs) They might make something similar or somebody might have copied it down the road somewhere at another venue, but... That's not going to be a standard drink that you're going to be able to go into any establishment and say, I want a sex on my face. Yeah. Oh, well, know, because they're going to look at you like, you know, you're freaking nuts. So, Would you say that bartenders steal drinks from other bartenders as much as com- uh, comedians steal jokes from other comedians? Of course. Of course they do. Why wouldn't they? Sure. Why wouldn't they? Because, you know, there's not... You know, it's not like you go and, what's that called? You go and, like, do, like, this is my drink and you can't steal it. A copyright or something called? like that. Uh, yeah, you can't copyright your your cocktail. Or patent a cocktail nobody or something. Copy, <laughs> nobody should, do, I don't know if you can even do that, but I don't think anybody does that. Well, uh, when it comes to... You can to- definitely steal cocktails and then you rename them something else, like, Every bar that I've ever worked in has what would normally be called a Cadillac Margarita. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a standard one right there. Yeah. Oh, no, you go over to Wankers and it's called a Wankers Rita. They need that for themselves. You go over to another bar <laughs> and it's called Boston Rita. I I don't know you. I mean, you go to different bars. It's still Cadillac Margarita, no matter where you go. Right. It still has all the same ingredients. They just rename it over and over again to fit their theme, which is fine. 
Sure. You know, yeah. like I said, you don't copyright your drink. Wonder if there are people have you know, that have tried to copyright a drink or something that or a patent it or something. <laughs> I actually don't know if anybody's even tried to do that. Yeah. Really. You know, and you know, actually, I have to say, stealing a recipe for drinks is just a compliment, really. Usually Nobody should be insulted by it. Go ahead and steal the drink and rename it something else. I mean, it's a compliment because it's a good drink, and you're not going to know if you go to another place. You can't, you can't go over to Boston's and say, I want a Wanker's Rita. And they're no—they're not going to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, what the hell? <laughs> if you want a wanker's read, so you got to go to wanker's. So you have to know your recipe. <laughs> like I said, if you're a patron and you want the drink, you have to know your recipe. You have to ask the bartender what's in your drink. Right. And that way, you can go from wanker's to Boston's and say, "I want margarita. It has this and this and this in it." And then they can make it for you because they have all the ingredients too because they're not stupid. So they have, most bars have all the same ingredients as other bars. Almost always. Almost, Yeah, they're, you've got your standards behind the bar at all times. So mm-hmm. some some bars might carry, well, when you and I worked at uh, Paradise together, uh, our, our manager, she'd uh, have like those extra fancy like what was that uh the black vodka one no other bar i'm pretty sure ever carried that but that was kind of a specialty that we had we had the fish balls nobody had fish balls uh the, we had uh yeah we had the fish balls but i'm talking about the the liquor we had um you remember when mm-hmm. she brought oh, in oh yeah she used to always get really random if there was something new she would buy it right uh, um, you remember how hard it was? But I mean, nobody could get the fishbowl drink anywhere. Right. Remember we had the little gummy fish floating in it and stuff like that, weird stuff? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't there when you started doing that. I remember making the fishbowls, and it pretty much was all the all the rums and a little bit of juice in it. We had little gummy sharks or something, <laughs> like, floating in there. And I don't know who would drink that, but, you know, they did. Yeah. So they liked it. So whatever, you know, you... You paid fifteen dollars for a fishbowl, right. so people still talk to me about fishbowls. Like, Remember the fishbowl, Shannon? And I'm like, yeah. Well, you basically had a quart of alcohol. I mean, that's it's just one big. They th- were huge, <laughs> and one person. We were not allowed to sell them to one person. No, no, I remember that. There had to be at least two people drinking those. Yeah, uh, I remember. Uh, I don't remember her name anymore, blonde girl. I remember watching her walk around the bar with the fishbowl in her hand and hoping that she would eventually sit down with somebody to make it look at least that she was sharing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they used to be sneaky like that. Yeah. You know, because they're always going to be sneaky like that because you, you always have to watch your customers. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it... Uh, when it comes to customer service though uh, out of all the bartenders that i've ever worked with uh you were the queen you uh you knew your stuff when it came to customer service what was your key what, what was your uh, was there a trick to it Did, was there a, a way that you particularly always approached it or was it just keyed to the person's personality well probably 
it's probably, I don't know, a combination of things. I have things that I learned over the many years, like I said, that have always worked. So I've always stuck to that. Um, always try and be calm. Oh, you had the patience of Job. Uh, I I remember always, that. Always try and be calm because people respect calm mm-hmm. more than any than, than you would think. People respect the calmness of your person, your person you're dealing with. You're dealing with a psycho person sometimes. But you have to remain calm because it's not going to help the situation if you don't. Well, I just remember that you had you had this air about you where uh, you liked everybody, everybody liked you, but it was kind of the opposite uh, end of the spectrum. People, you know, I wasn't sure uh, whether I was trying to get people to like me or I was making them try to... Uh, you know, get along with me. I, you know, my patience and my uh, personality kind of conflicted with being a bartender in, in the really early days uh, when you and I were working together. But uh, you taught me a lot about when it comes to customer service. And actually, I'm positive that you put in a good word for me a lot of the times with some of the customers that, well, what's wrong with that guy? Well, you're very dry. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You're always very dry. And you had people that absolutely love that about you. Yeah. And you had people that didn't get you. Okay. <laughs> and so I might have to go and explain. That's just his sarcasm. That's his, his dryness. He's, he's just like, that's a certain way that he, that's his style. That's your style. That's your style that you do. And thank you very much for always- sticking up for me a lot. <laughs> No, 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 because there was no reason not to, because I knew what your style was. And some people got you and some people didn't, you know, and some people, you know, were like, what's his deal? And I was like, he's just got a really dry personality and he's, he has a dry humor and you just have to get that or you don't, you know, what's up to you? Uh, I remember super nice guy and super great guy or whatever, you know. I remember I mean, a handful of customers saying we that. talked about it a thousand times, yeah. a thousand times. You would get hit on a thousand times. You didn't even know it. So you'd have to get a bat out and hit you in the head <laughs> or something. Oh yeah, I was really bad about that. Still am to this day. You're horrible. <laughs> You're still horrible, I believe. The, uh, but you know, my thing is. Um, for one thing, um, consistency, I find, is the most important thing. I stay consistent with with everyone. I don't care how they treat me. I will get to stay the same person that I am. I will stay, you're, you're not a nice person, and I know this. But I am going to be even working harder on you because you're very challenging. I love challenging people. I I noticed that about you, yeah. I love an asshole. Okay, (laughs) bring me an asshole. I will take the asshole. I will take the asshole because it makes it fun for me. Mm -mm. The nice people are easy. You can do nice people. Anybody can do nice people. Not anyone can do an asshole. I can do the best asshole ever. Phrasing. uh, Sorry. No, I can be (laughs) like, I will take care of them so nicely. Yeah, you uh, you 
And, and I'm going to keep doing it over and over again until they like me because that is that is my challenge. That is my personal challenge to myself. Well, you and, and my I, friend, you and our friend Barb, you two were excellent about that. You saw somebody that didn't like you, so you took that as a challenge. I'm going to make that person like me. And, no, I win them over. I will win them over eventually. The the person that doesn't tip ever will be my best tipper. It will happen. Mm. No, I will make it happen. It's happened a million times. I will make it happen. So I could get no tip from you one day, and one day you're tipping me 30%. It will happen eventually because right. I have seen it happen a million times. You, Everyone tricks you, okay? You don't. You can't judge a book by its cover. Right. You win somebody over, they will be your most lovely patron. And they will make everyone else follow suit. So if you have consistency and if you have patience, you can win any person over. You can win any person over if, if you want to. If you don't want to, then it's not going to happen. If you're fine, it's fine. If somebody rubs you the wrong way, then do what you need to do. Right. But I prefer to win the worst person in the world over. I prefer that to be a, a personal challenge for myself. Mm. That's what I've always done. And and the hardest people eventually, eventually, with much consistency, it will happen. That uh, That's something that I've uh, always... Uh, admired and puzzled me about you. You just had that air about you where uh, people liked you and it caused a ripple effect. I noticed uh, a lot of the time because uh, I think S- uh, Steve and he- all of his coworkers where he worked, you know, you, you, you of course remember Steve uh, Foster's and McNaughton's, you know, which one was Steve. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, Steve's boy? Yeah. 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 That's, that's a question that uh, pops in my mind all the time: is where where did all those regulars go? But uh, no, I know. I think about it all the time. Where are all those girls that you met in the bathroom that you were best friends with for two seconds? I don't know where they went. <laughs> but uh, it was like a ripple effect. I mean, you made good friends with Steve. You uh, you two were really good friends, and it rippled over to all of his coworkers that he brought into brought into the bar, and you had. It was like they were all fans of you automatically when they came in. Well, he was he was a quiet guy. Yeah. He was a quiet he was very nice always, but he was just one of those quiet guys, so. Yeah, he and I would talk about pop culture. Uh I I mean, you know me, I don't talk about sports uh or politics because uh well, politics you don't talk about politics in a bar. No, but, no politics, no religion right. ever, ever. But, and if you hear anyone at your bar talking about it, you discourage it because you're only going to have a fight. Right. But uh, if you want to talk about pop culture, music, mu- movies, TV, that was always my uh, my thing because I knew Jack about sports. And being a guy behind the bar, a lot of people kind of expected me to know a lot about sports, but I really knew nothing. But Steve, he was uh, he was into pop culture almost as much as I am, I am. And so he was really easy to talk to for me. And instead of, you know, the guy that comes in wearing full 
uh, gear uh, that says 49ers or whatever popular football team of that month. And right. Uh, I mean, did you have a hard? I didn't time? do sports. Uh, did, you know? Did you have a hard time with that? These uh, these guys that come in that want to talk about sports or uh, no? Like that? They wouldn't talk to me about sports. <laughs> well, well, no, lucky. back in the day, and uh, when I was at Charlie's at the hotel restaurant, we had a lot of sports going on. That's when the big street screens first. We had one big screen. Mm. Okay, so there was, and then we had a football thing, and so football was very popular. That went from the to the nineties, where I, I worked in the Lake Oswego Bar and Grill of Swigo Point, um, back in Lake Oswego, and we had, like, five screens, you know, so they started getting really popular, but um, we had one big screen in my original place at Charlie's, and we we had football day, football Sunday or whatever, and, and you know, everybody was into football, and, and we got to wear jerseys you know, when we worked that day or whatever. And, you know, we were kind of into it because we were watching it, you know, but I wasn't super sports girl. I wasn't into sports. But most guys didn't talk to me about sports. Right. I think that's more of something that guys do with guys. Well, uh, back in, even back when I started bartending in, uh, in... They just expect guys to know about sports. Yeah, it's no matter what they expect you're because it's to know supposed about to be a guy sports, thing. Anthony, you're supposed to follow sports. You're supposed because you're a man, right? Well, but back, they didn't expect girls to know about sports. That brings up another kind of fun, interesting thing uh, in my head because back in '99, when I first started bartending, when you and I first met, uh, yeah, there were no flat screens around, and if there was a big screen, there was only one of them usually in the bar. But now. Uh, in most bars you go to, you can't turn your head without seeing a big screen with something on it. And, uh, yeah, no, we didn't have any at Paradise, did we? We had well, a, we had one. We, we had like five tube Two? TVs or something like that, and a big screen that uh, that projector screen up in the attic that never got used, or unless there was a special like Super Bowl or uh, the Portland Trailblazers were playing or something like that. I have a story that's off topic okay yeah so you can do what you want with it but <laughs> i remember so i remember back in the day when i first got a job at charlie's the hotel bar mm-hmm. um which i was at for six years like i said so i went in there play for a hostess job and did a personal sit-down interview with a person mm. that was nice right sure um very nervous so I remember his name was Mitch, okay, I think. So, yeah, I got hired as a hostess. And then um, I was there for six years, moving up from a hostess to the bar manager in six years. And like I said, they wanted me to be a manager, and I said no, like an actual front-end manager. Yeah. And I said no. And then this opportunity came up to work at Oswego Point, the brand new bar that was opening on the Willamette River that was brand new, mm-hmm. that were looking for 
what they called, what this is what they called it, the best of the best of the best. And I applied for there, and I got hired. And we had weeks of training at minimum wage with no tips, which right. sucked because it was, like, financially drastic. Right. Anyways, but that's what happened. And so we had all this, you know, where we, we were unpacking silverware and dishes and, you know, basically putting the bar together because it was a brand new place. And then I was meeting people from like all over, um, which was very exciting. And it was very hard. And we had to learn like every detail of the menu and every ingredient of every hamburger. And we had testing. We had dance class because we were, we had to dance. Yeah, you always told me about the routines that you had to do. Um, yeah, we had <laughs> routines. We were, they taught us routines, and we had we had dance class, and we had to do these routines. Um, they would just say, you had to stop waiting on your people to go dance on the dance floor. It was like the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> so, And none of us liked it because we didn't like not paying attention to our customers. So we did that, and then the 90s changed from this is what happened over there because I worked daytime and nighttime. I worked lunch and then dinner. So things started getting a little bit casual Yeah, back in the 90s. They started doing, like, polo shirts and khaki shorts. So that was our uniform during the day was a polo shirt and khaki shorts. But at night, if you work, like, from day to night, you had to change your clothes. You had to put on freaking heels, a short skirt, and you had to put on... A tuxedo shirt with a tie for the nighttime crew, the the nighttime people. Oh, you oh you had to change uh, based on what you shift had to you're change working. clothes. You had to bring clothes and change clothes. So I had to change into a skirt and a tuxedo shirt and tie. Wow! After wearing khakis and a t-shirt all day. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. You know, and we had we had we had lines. We had lines around the building trying to get into that place. It was crazy. There was um, a point I was going to with this, but I'm trying to remember what it was now. <laughs> well, you're, so, but Yeah, you've talked about working at Oswego Point, and you don't see many restaurants uh, like that do routines, if any, uh, anymore. I mean, these restaurants have themes and stuff like that, and I mean, but... Uh, when they... That was a thing, and it's, I think I remember where I was going with this now. So, <laughs> what happened was, so, then I kind of left there, and I thought, well, I need to get out of the business. So, I went to nail school. Because uh-huh. I'm like, I'm going to do nails. Because this place was hard to get into, because they only pick, like, certain people and they told us we were like the best in in portland that they could possibly get or whatever all these people right so and we we were a great crew and it was it was fun there it was the 90s it was crazy you know there was it clubs were the most popular thing then sure all the downtown clubs our our club was the most popular club for at least a couple years because clubs burn out after two years. They really do. They mm. burn out. They're, like, really hot, and then they burn out. Right. Because that is always what happens with clubs. 
so after after there, I I went to nail school. When I was at nail school, this one gal that I had known for many years that that worked at Winker's um, Corner, she's like, "Oh, I you're going to school, but I hear you're not working. I need a bartender." I'm like, really? And it was at Country Inn in Swalton. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, I need you to come and bartend. She didn't really mean bartending. She actually meant cocktailing. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, when do you need somebody, blah, blah, blah. And she came and found me. She actually went to the nail school and looked for me, right? Yeah. I hear you're not working because she knew me from Charlie. She knew me previously from Charlie. My original job, because she used to come in there, mm-hmm. and so I said, "Yeah, I'll do, I'll do that. You know, I'll come work for you because I need the money." So I went to work there. Too, too much of a blast. It was a biker bar, you know, Tualatin Crawfish Festival, you oh, know, yeah. all this, you know, all this fun stuff. Right. I went to work there. I started at cocktail waitress. I'm sitting there, I'm doing my, my tickets, handwritten tickets, right? Yeah. No computers. Handwritten tickets, I'm writing stuff down for my bartender. He's like, oh, my God, because I knew all the abbreviations, right? Right. Nobody else knew that. Just me. So he's like, oh, my gosh, we have somebody, bourbon and water, B slash W, you know, this is how we used to do tickets. There was no computers. Right. Socks and water, S slash W. You know, I'm writing all my tickets out, and he's like, oh, my God, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> you know, he thought that was the weird, because there's all computers now. We used right. to handwrite all our tickets. Yeah, I've talked about the you point know? of sale system uh, as they come into the bars. Yeah, Sea uh, Breeze. You write Sea Breeze. Right. Vodka Tonic, V slash T. You know, it was all, that's how you used to write tickets back in the day, all right? We wrote them all. We didn't punch them in a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I got hired on there, and I was there for a couple of years. It was one of the most fun jobs I had because it was crazy over there. Well, I can uh, and it, I can somewhat relate to that because I remember when I left Paradise Grill, uh, you had a friend give you a call, ask you if you were available for uh, a bartending job, and you, you quickly said, I'm not, but I've got a friend that needs uh, work right now, and you hooked me up, which was awesome. What was that? Well, when, well that wasn't that job in Sherwood? Sherwood, the yeah. Sherwood job. Yeah, well, probably the worst, uh, worst job I ever had because they were – uh, watched by the police constantly, and I never had any customers. But uh, well, so was Boston. Well, uh, Boston's I had customers. I had regulars uh, that I was able to work off. Uh, you know the other bartenders and servers, but uh, the peddler was just god awful. Just because you know nobody ever went there anymore. Uh, they weren't allowed to. No, I do remember more. talking to you. Why were you at work? Yeah. You used to call me when you were at work, and you're like, I'm so bored. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, don't know what to do. I'm so bored. They weren't able to do multi-liquor drinks. It was only liquor and a filler, and you know, just nobody would show up there anymore. And so uh, there were nights where I was like, why am I open? You know, it's 9 o'clock, and this, I'm watching Comedy Central. 
but but uh, yeah, the bartenders help other bartenders or bartenders and servers. We all end up kind of a family oriented type of thing. We all understand each other and help each other out. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, we do. We band together and we try and teach each other things. Mm. It's like even if you're working at a different restaurant, you know, I've taught bar things. I Barb always credits me like so much for teaching her certain things because she, she Barb would be angry <laughs> and I'd be, dude, you don't need to be angry. You don't have to be like that. You can just be like, you know what? You need to chill out and it's probably time for you to go home because that's how, that's how I am. I would be like, you know what? You want to call me a bitch, that's fine. You're not hurting my feelings because it's not like I haven't heard that before. <laughs> but my door guy is taking you out right now because this is not okay. And you don't have to be mean about it because you have the control of it. So if somebody calls you a name, an inappropriate name, there's no reason to be mad. There's, just, there's no reason to overreact. You just say, hey, door guy Tim, this girl is leaving now. So take her out of the building because she doesn't want to be nice. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have to be like, it has to be a big drastic drama thing. Nothing has to be drama because you are the one in control. It's your bar. Basically, even if you don't own it, you own that night. Right. So you own the night. The night is yours. You get to make the decisions, and you don't have to be offended by anybody. If they're not nice to you, they get to go home. And the next day, they're going to call you on the phone and say, I'm really sorry. Can I please come back in? Because guess what? All their friends are coming back in. Right. They're not going to like to be 86. When I was in Redmond bartending for my ex Mm -hmm. in Redmond, I gave people very many chances because I knew them when they were not drunk and when they were drunk, okay? Yeah. Because they they were good people, but sometimes when they got drunk, they got to be really stupid. And... They got to be asked to leave quite a few times. And they would call me and they would be like, please, you know, it might take them a couple days. Yeah. But Redmond was a small town. So all their friends came. You don't want to be kicked out of your favorite bar. Okay. No one wants to be kicked out of their favorite bar. Right. So I would get a phone call. I please come back in. I will be okay. I will not do this again, and blah, blah, blah. And I would scold them. (laughs) And I'd say, all right, I'll give you another chance. You mess up, then you're gone forever. You know? Which wasn't always necessarily true, because there were some of them that I did let back in. You know, they spend a lot of money. Sure. They have a lot of friends. Sometimes if you lose them, you lose their friends. So you have to think about 
you have to think about your options. You have to be like, okay, if I lose them, am I going to lose their friends? Or, you know, are we going to lose this money? You have to, you know, that's when I was bar managing down there over in Redmond. Now, say you didn't get a phone call and it was, uh, they just, you know, they took a day or two for to cool down and they wandered into the bar. Would you still scold them or would you welcome them with open arms or pretend like nothing happened? No, if they had not called me, they would have been sent out. Oh, really? If I had not talked to them, unless they came in specifically to talk to me and say, can we talk? Yeah. If they just wandered in or whatever, no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done that. If they came in, if they came in to say, "Hey, can we talk about what happened the other night or whatever?" Then I would have. I would have taken the time and went and talked to them. So, because uh, I. But if they wandered in on their own and just like were oblivious to, you know, what had just happened because they didn't remember, then I would have said, um, you messed up last night and you're not supposed to come back here. Yeah. Because <laughs> I kicked you out. And unless you have something to say about that or can fix this, then, you know, you need to leave. Uh, you I... know, and that, my door guys, actually, my door guys would get frustrated with me because... I would sometimes let people back in that they weren't happy about because sometimes they were a problem. But well, I I remember at Paradise we had a group of customers that uh, we didn't eighty six them per se. Well, no, we didn't eighty six them at all. Um, our DJ wanted to eighty six them because they smacked the disco ball, and when they left, they were almost left uh, trying to be righteous about it. It's like, we're never coming back here again. You just lost your customers. It was that group like Richie, Shauna. I don't remember all of their names. I'm surprised, actually, I remember Richie and Shauna. But, uh, um, Richie, Shauna, Jack, um, Shane. Yeah, that group. And yeah. when they came back... I, they uh, were a problem. When, uh, after you know they took a day or two to cool down, and when they came back, I didn't say anything. I just said, hey, how you doing? Coors Light? You know, because uh, they were acting like, we're never coming here again. And I was like, all right, whatever. And then, but they, when they came back, I didn't, you know, make fun of them or anything like that. And just because, well, they were reg- our regular customers. They had been for a long time and mm-hmm. didn't really do anything. And they spent a lot of money in there. Yeah, they you probably didn't to. do anything wrong. Uh, I mean. You have to pick and choose your battles when it comes to finances and and can you control this problem so you have to ask yourself can i control this problem Mm. can i control them when they're in here can i can i make them understand that we're doing you a favor by letting you come in right okay can we change their mind about the situation can we change their mind do you want to be here more badly and drink here or do you want to be 86 well i always thought paradise grill had the uh the social advantage over all the other bars in the neighborhood because we had well they do because people to this day people to this day miss paradise grill where we worked right where you and I worked, they missed 
the place. They miss everything about that place, about how fun it was and the good times it was, and it it was just, it stands out still to this day in people's minds. Sure. The bar that is now completely non-existent, that is a, a karate um, training school or whatever. Right. So they still miss it. Well, it, I... And we, prob- we all miss stuff we can't go back to. Sure. We all miss stuff we can't go back to. And that Half place- the places I've ever worked are closed. Right. And Paradise Grill, uh, between you and me and all of my podcast listeners, because this part's probably uh, going to go in the show most likely, the the reason of the failure at Paradise Grill is because the manager decided to change things around, and that freaked everybody out, and which lost all no, of our customers. No, but the problem is, the problem is, is this what I think happened? I don't know if we've discussed this before, but... Um, they, I think they wanted to get out. She started drastically changing things. Right. She took the pool tables out. That was a huge mistake when I heard about that. No, she she got rid of me. Mm-hmm. That was another huge mistake. She took the pool tables out. She started changing a bunch of stuff. And... Basically, they did all of this in progression towards the end of the year where they could file a bankruptcy on the place. Yeah. So they could leave. They wanted to leave. They were done. So I think they progressed this to, like, let's cut our losses. The first year I started there, and the only reason why I know this is because they told me. Right. So the first year that I started there that they hired me was the first year that they actually made money. Well, the year before that they were open, they did not make any money. And then the girl that hired me over there hired me once again, came and found me and hired me. Yeah, I remember that. Because I was not working. I was not working. And she came and said, come and work for me. And we were friends then. Mm. Okay, later we didn't, or we lost our friendship because of whatever, I mm. don't even know. The personal so, stuff, whatever, yeah. Yeah, something she had issues with. So, but at first she was like, come and work for me. You know, as soon as she found out that I needed a job, she found me and said, come and work for me. That year that I worked there was the first year that that company made money. Well, They had not made money the previous year. I had been working for Paradise Grill before you got there for like a month, maybe two. And I can honestly say that business was not, especially during the week, uh, business was not as good until you showed up there and brought all your clientele with you. But I pulled all the Wankers customers and I pulled all the Boston customers because I was friends with all of them. So all of them came to see me, which is the same thing that happened when I lost my job at Paradise, Jenny Wong over at Wong, mm. Chinese, came to my house and said, come and work for me. <laughs> yeah. And so I went, I said, okay. And so I went and worked at Wong for Jenny. And 
all the people from all those places started coming to Jenny's place. And then she made money. She came and found me, though. It's another thing. Like, Cassandra came and found me. Susie came and found me for Country Ed. Hmm. Cassandra came and found me. And then Jenny Wong came and found me. That's how I used to get jobs. Somebody would just say, oh, you're not. You need, you want to come work for me? That's how I used to get jobs for, like, years. Yeah. I didn't have to go look for a job or go find a job. Somebody would figure out that I wasn't working or something was going on, and they would come and find me and say, come and work for me. And that happened for, like, three of my jobs. And that happened for me, luckily, well, I kind of dropped a earworm in uh, Barb's ear, and it's like, you know, if there's ever an opening at Boston's, please keep me in mind, because I wanted to uh, keep my customers in Wilsonville. And But it didn't affect anything with your business, because you and I both shared the same customers, basically. And yeah. All of our customers thought of you and I as a team, and that, that actually worked out really well for us for a little while. No, and it was really, it was awesome. Yeah. You and I were a really good team. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, you... We knew each other really well. Yeah, and uh, being and being really good friends, uh, working working behind the bar, and, you know, uh, we yeah. were, and people just enjoyed seeing us work together. It, um, you know, Barb used to talk about uh, how people would say, I'm going to go visit Shannon and Anthony, you know, because uh, it, was, it was like, you know... Uh, not exactly a package deal, but uh, it was people were just used to us. <laughs> yeah, but there was people that preferred you, and there's people that preferred me. Yeah, and you had your people. You had a lot of people that really loved to hang out with you and stuff like that. Well, because I knew all the stupid jokes. <laughs> well, you knew the you had the music thing going on, and you knew. You know, you you like bonded with certain people, right? Yeah, but as long as I stayed within my wheelhouse and didn't go outside of my box, and everything was usually fine. <laughs> it was what was it one night? Uh, I I don't think you were there that night. the The girls from Red Robin were playing on the Mega Touch on the bar, and they uh, this was probably one of those instances where you probably would have slapped me and said they're hitting on you, but I had no idea. And uh, they were playing the Mega Touch, and they were doing a quiz on sex. And they're like, "We're doing a quiz on sex, Anthony. You want to help us?" And I, I looked at him and I said, "I don't know anything about sex." And they looked at each other and said, "Well, at least he's honest." <laughs> but mm-hmm. that, I remember that happening a long time ago. But <laughs> yeah. But all of us, all of us bartenders in the Wilsonville area, and uh, Boston's in paradise in particular. We all hung out with each other. You know, it was you, me, Barb. No, it was a thing. Jim, it was a Carl, thing because you know. they would come, you know, and then Wong's got in the loop too. But right, right. Wankers and Boston and Paradise and Wong's, there was a loop. So and the Chili's and Red Robin you know, crew, they you, loved us. You go. Yeah. We used to, we used to, people would get mad because when we were at Wankers, when I was at Wankers, okay, we would call our order in at Boston. Right. 
because Boston's was always open later than us. So we would call our drink order in down there, and Barb would have all the drinks lined up when we got there. And everybody's like, what the fuck? You know, all the other customers, they were like, what the fuck? And she was like, oh, they just got off work, you know? Oh, yeah. And so we go down there, we call it, oh, Shannon wants two wines, and so-and-so wants two beers, and so-and-so wants this and that. We call our order in, and then we just show up there, you know, before they close. Right. And have our drinks ready for us when we got there. Because the time was like a half an hour. It was like a small period of time. Yeah, uh, yeah, Boston's was always Barbara, cool with they us. Have all our drinks, all our drinks were lined up. Yeah, um, we'll have two Scotch and Rocks. We'll have two Chardonnays, two Coors Lights, two whatever. And um, she was doing last call. Well, Boston's was always have always the latest bar open when it came to all of us. I mean, uh, Paradise Grill closed at one. Wankers closed at what eleven? I think. At one point? No. Or they were later? No. No. Uh, uh, one. Probably one thirty. Well, during the week... one thirty, but Boston's, Boston's was always the latest bar. Yeah, they, they pushed you it could, right to last you call. You could get drinks up till 2 o'clock, two o'clock there. Yeah. Because you had to pull drinks at 2.30. You always, you always had to pull drinks by 2.30. Everything had to be pulled. Right. So you could get drinks up to t- 2 o'clock, and then they wouldn't serve you after 2. Mm. And I think we used to close at Wankers at one 1.30. Well, the, during the week, maybe, oh, because I remember the Wankers crew coming in coming in during my shift uh, at Paradise. No, maybe bit. 2. Yeah. Maybe 2 at the latest, but she would ha- have the drinks ready, so we could drink them before 2.30. Yeah. Because everything had to be pulled before. Before two thirty, right? Um, anywhere, anywhere you work. Yeah, that was uh, that was a liquor control commission's rule, and right. That's just the way right. it, way it worked. Right. We're gonna take a break for a quick second to play our, this week's musical act. I can't forget to do that. This podcast musical act we have Angela Saney from her album Hope on the Stereo. Here's Angela Saney with "Look What I Found."
just go back Still is my movement Blind is my vision My tongue is afraid I'm scared the choices I make Means I've made a decision Once again, that was Angela Saini with Look What I Found from her album Hope on the Stereo. You can find Angela Saini all over the place, it looks like. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, and you can even catch a couple videos of, on YouTube. She also has her own website, AngelaSaini.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-A-S-A-I-N-I.com. So go check her out. You can uh, also get on to Bandcamp and find out where she's playing next or where she's making an appearance. And uh, thank you very much for allowing me to share your music, Angela, and uh, good luck to you in the future. Let's get back to the interview with Shannon. Got time to start to wrap up this podcast here. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for this interview. Uh, I don't know. Is this good? No, this this is great. Uh, You know, just like I was telling you, it's just like our late nights sitting at Denny's uh, and just BSing. You know, that's that's the way it works. <laughs> I sitting at Denny's after work. Oh my gosh, <laughs> playing video poker and eating breakfast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, real quick, I'm going to steal a thing that is um, was made. Well, to me, was made familiar from uh, to me from inside the actor studio, James Lipton. The host of that show actually stole it from another show host named Bernard Pivot, where they uh, ask questions. This is a questionnaire that I've come up with to ask uh, all bartenders and servers. So, oh, cool. Uh, okay. You you can answer this these questions as short as you like, but because uh, they're really simple questions. So yeah. Just, 
answer as honestly as you like. Uh, so we'll start okay. off with, what is your favorite song? Say when you're working in a bar, you uh, you like this like to hear the song come. Oh, got it. Um, I'm terrible with names of stuff. That I've uh, known about you for years. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, Aerosmith. Um, from the movie. Uh, don't want to miss a thing. From, yeah. From Armageddon. Okay, I'm going to yeah. say that one. Okay. Armageddon. From Armageddon. Don't want to miss a thing. Okay, that's that's yeah, okay. one of my talks. Okay. Right. Your least your least favorite song. Oh my god. That one song they play at Safeway all the time. <laughs> oh, it's on that freaking drop thing. Um I don't remember what it's called. Remember how? Um, do you remember how it goes? Or no, maybe I can um, help you out. No, I try and block it out because <laughs> we'll just move on from there. Then. So that's not going to be any help right now. Okay. Uh, if I think of it, I'll tell you, but I can't remember it right now. Okay. Um, what is your favorite insult to use? Oh, my favorite insult. Yeah. I'm not a big insulty person, so it's kind of hard for me. Um, no, actually, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not a big insulty person, so it's hard for me to think of an insult. Okay, we can uh, we can uh, I I can use that. All uh, let's uh, skip that for a second. Okay. Um, let's what skip is that. It? I might think of something, but I'm not. I usually don't try and insult people. I'm usually like sarcastic, so. Are all, all bartenders are. That's just our thing. Yeah, I'll say something sarcastic to somebody because that's my thing. So okay, but uh, I won't necessarily try to insult something. Uh, someone. What is your least least favorite insult? Like if somebody insults you, something that you don't like to hear. Oh, something that I don't like to hear. Yeah. What, that hurts my feelings? Possibly, yeah. No, nothing hurts my feelings. As strong as a rock, good bartender. Uh, well, no, I mean, really, nothing <laughs> Nothing is going to hurt my feelings. You can call me a name or whatever. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt because I don't really freaking care what you say. Mm. So, that's kind of my thing. What type of people do you like? I like my I like my challenge people. I like all my people, but I like my challenge people because um, they make me work hard for it, and I like to win people over. So my challenge people, I love them the most because they're they're the tough ones. They're the they're the ones that. Other people can't get to, but I feel that I can. And so my challenge people have a, a little spot in my heart because there's so much. They're so hard. They're so hard, but there's so much. I feel like I'm doing a, a thing when I when I win them over. I feel like I'm doing something. 
I know if they're difficult for me, they're difficult for like everyone in their life. That's so it makes me happy. It makes me happy that they might not um, be accepted of everybody, but if I can win them over for myself, then then I'm happy for that because I think that the people that are the hardest are. Nobody is making them happy right now. So if I can make them happy for like even like two seconds, it makes me happy. I have certain people that are just seem cranky like all the time. And if I can make them smile or make them happy for like two seconds, I it makes me very happy. Or if they can make a joke with me or something and they normally don't do that, then I I feel like that I accomplished something for the day. What type of people well this is this question probably doesn't apply to you since you see everybody as a challenge or uh uh what type of people do you not like? Um, well I have to say, um I don't like people that have double standards. That is a huge thing for me. I do not like people with double standards. You can't think that some something's okay for you and not for someone else. Okay, I hate that. Mm. And I hate liars. What was your favorite part of being a bartender? Meeting people. And what was I your... love meeting people. And what was your least favorite part of being a bartender? Dealing with coworkers that were doing shady things that I felt was wrong. <laughs> yeah, we we've dealt with that. Uh, this no. is this. Uh, this I don't qu- like that. Yeah. This next question, uh, I love to ask people: What is your favorite curse word? Well, I think it has to be fucked. <laughs> so. Popular word, very popular. I don't use it a lot, but when it is. I have to be pretty mad, but um, that that one just really sums it up, usually. Yeah. And the final question that I'm going to ask you for this interview, if you could have a dream customer, anybody that you choose, who would it be? What does that mean? Any, oh, it, a dream customer. Yeah. Oh. If you could have a dream customer, who could it be? Oh, wow. You know, I'm... Oh, wow. I'm kind of on an Ellen DeGeneres kick right now, so I, I kind of want to say her. That would be, so, a, that would be a fun customer. I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> no, I really kind of on a, a kick with her right now. I'm an um, enormous fan of hers, and... You know, she's the first one that popped into my head, so I'm going to have to say Ellen. Yeah, she's amazing. And um, um, otherwise, um, after Ellen, I'm going to have to say um, my Aquaman guy. What's his name? Oh, yeah, the guy that played Aquaman. Uh, yeah, I can't remember his name right right offhand, but I'm Boy. sure... I'm sure my list. Uh, I'm sure the listeners know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. What's his name? No, he was in uh, Game of Thrones too. Um, 
Okay, I'm going to say Alan first, but he's second. Jason Moma? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jason Moma. Oh, he's. That man is incredibly, amazingly (laughs) adorable. Hot. Okay, so good. But I'm going to say Alan first. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for being on the show. you are my very, very first phone interview. I think this went pretty well. What do you think? Yeah. Mm. I hope so. Well, I hope you do good edit because I don't know. <laughs> not sure about it. Well, anyway. Kind of scared about it a little bit, but. Oh, well, hopefully this uh, catches the attention of some of your old friends and, uh, you know, and it, I'm, you know, mostly doing this podcast to, uh, you know, inform and, you know, other than just entertain, you know, and you've said a lot of things that I'm sure some of the, uh, some bartenders and servers out there probably can relate to, or at least take to heart. I hope so. Um, hope I made some kind of contribution to, um, somebody's learning factor because, you know, they're actually, you know, I've been out a little bit. Um, not very much, but, um, I've met some servers and bartenders that need to get some skills (laughs) because they don't know what the heck's going on right now. I still remember, uh, that one time you had to stick up for me because I didn't know exactly what winning a Tom Collins. No, I don't even mean that. I mean, their attitude with people. Oh, okay. Customer service. Big thing. No, customer service. I mean, I've been... To Boston's recently for my birthday, we had this one gal. We we actually had to sit in the dining room because we had a minor. So for my birthday, and um, this girl was very awesome. She was good, this young girl, and um, she was leaving though. And luckily, the bartender that was working in the that normally waits on us, which we couldn't fit in the bar, right? Mm, Rachel, yeah, yeah. our best bartender, Rachel, she's an amazing woman. Um, and she's normally our server, and we would normally sit in her area, but we had a minor, so we had to sit in the dining room. And so this other girl waited on us, and she was awesome, right? And so, but when she left, luckily Rachel said, Go ask them to close out their tap with you. Because I've told Rachel this. I said, you know, you don't leave without closing out our tab. Yeah. You know, because it's a thing for me. I I like to pay the person that waited on me, not the person that didn't wait on me. So this other girl, she waited on us, and she did a good job. She was a good. She was a good girl. She was lovely and then somebody else took over for her so we closed out with her the first girl and then this other girl waited on us and she was awful awful and she didn't want to deal with us or whatever I don't know I have no idea but she was not She was not nice. She was not attentive. She, you know, maybe she didn't think she would make any money off of us. I don't know. 
I have no idea what her deal was, but she had an attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't do that. Why do you go in there? You're supposed to be going in there trying to make money. You don't go in there with an attitude. You're supposed to go in there and you're trying to make money for yourself. I don't, I tip on my tab. I don't tip on attitude. I tip on my tab, but a little bit attitude, maybe, because you're going to get a better tip if you're nicer to me. Well, personality goes a long way when it comes to the service industry. I will go on on the tip percentage. I will go on always on the tip percentage, no matter what. But if you are even more lovely, you're going to get a better tip. Sure. So I'll do a 20% no matter what. I don't care. But if you're even better than that, you're probably going to get more than that. Right. So... Okay, people, it is last call. First of all, I'd like to thank my special guest, Shannon Moore, for being on the show. Uh, It was a lot of fun doing an interview, and you know what? I want to do more of these, so if you want to be on Hey Bartender Podcast, drop me a line. Email me at heybartenderpodcast at gmail.com, and you know, hey, maybe we can arrange something, or even look me up on the Facebook page. Uh, thank you so much, Angela uh, Saini, for your song. Remember to look for her on all social media outlets, Bandcamp, and uh, download her music. Once again, her album is called Hope on the Stereo, and the name of the song was Look What I Found. If you want to follow uh, Hey Bartender Podcast, well, you can follow us on Facebook at Hey Bartender Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Hey Bartender P O One. You can uh, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Google Play. I've put myself all over the place. Uh, it's going to be tough pretty soon to turn your head without uh, hearing Hey Bartender somewhere. And don't forget, people, if you want to get your hands on some cool Hey Bartender podcast swag, go to hey-bartender-podcast.myspotify.com, and there you can get some groovy t-shirts and other neat little accessories. So, you know, go and take a look around. You might find something you like. But until the next show, I'd like to quote my hero, Billy Joel, by telling every single one of you lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anybody. Good night, everyone. Felt so good, I had to blow again. I said, hey, watch